Okay, so this is uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, the parable of the persistent widow, or sometimes called the parable of the unjust judge. I think it's, uh, it's the judge that seems to be the main character. He's the one that Jesus draws our attention to. Uh, he's the one who we find out what he's thinking, not the widow. So I'm going to call it uh, uh, the parable of the unjust judge. And uh, I reckon it's a parable that is often misunderstood. Often people get the wrong idea about what Jesus is trying to get across here. But uh, one thing that's really clear from this passage is the application, because Luke actually gives it to us in verse 1. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So if you want to know uh, why Jesus told this parable, if you want to know uh, how to apply this passage to our lives, uh, if you want to know what uh, Jesus wants us to go away with this morning, then, then that's it. He wants us to respond to this parable by continuing to pray and not give up, not lose heart. But, uh, but this parable is not a parable about prayer in general. Uh, I think it's often just taken as talking about prayer in general, and we need to be persistent in prayer if we want to see it answered. But actually, Jesus has got a specific situation in mind when he tells this parable, and he's got a specific type of prayer in mind when he tells this parable. And if we're going to understand this parable properly, then uh, we really need to make sure we understand the context in which Jesus tells this parable. So you see, this parable really, it comes as the climax to what Jesus has been saying in chapter 17, chapter 17, verses 20. Uh, to 37 so if you ignore that chapter break uh, that, that was put in centuries later then you'll see that the situation is the same Jesus is talking to the same people he hasn't moved on it's not a different time but it's part of the same conversation so what's that conversation been about? well Jesus has been talking about the coming of the Son of Man he's been talking about his second coming when uh, he will fully consummate God's kingdom so the, the coming of the Son of Man is the same as the coming of God's kingdom in the end times God, uh, Jesus is going to come back and fully establish God's rule of the world and that's what Jesus has been talking about uh, in that previous section and if we look at uh, chapter 18 verse 8 at the end of this parable we see Jesus mentions again the coming of the Son of Man when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So, so that convinces us that, that this is part of the same conversation, that it's part of Jesus' teaching about the coming of the Son of Man. So what's he been teaching on this topic? Well, uh, if you look at chapter 17, these Pharisees have been coming to Jesus and they're asking him where and when it's going to happen. Where and when will the coming of the Son of Man happen? And one thing that Jesus makes clear is that it's not going to happen immediately. There's going to be some kind of delay. So there's this time of anticipation. So uh, Jesus says, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. So there's going to be this time when, uh, when people will long for God's kingdom to come. There's going to be this time of longing for the kingdom of God. And we also learn that when the Son of Man does come, 
Uh, it's going to be a time of judgment. So Jesus likens it to the time of Noah and to the time of Lot. Just as, in the, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People eating, drinking, marrying, being given up in, uh, in marriage, up until the day Noah entered the, at the ark, then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulphur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So it's going to be a day of judgment. It's going to be a day when God brings justice to the world. Evil and wickedness are going to be punished and God's people will be vindicated. But there's going to be this delay going to be this time of anticipation and that means that for God's people living in this time before Christ's return it's going to be hard they're going to see evil and injustice in the world and it's going to distress them and they're going to long for God to do something they're going to face uh, hardship and persecution they're going to be uh, oppressed and pressured and they're going to long for God to bring about justice. And in fact, that's always been the experience of God's people. So if you read the Psalms, you'll see that, that many of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, where the psalmist reflects on his situation and cries out to God to do something. So for example, Psalm 13 begins with that common question, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So David's facing persecution and trouble and he cries out to God, How long must I endure this? When are you going to do something about it? Or in the book of Revelation we read about the martyrs in chapter 6 who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they'd maintained. They cried out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign God, holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood and here in Luke Jesus expects all his disciples to have this same longing for God's kingdom the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the son of man and elsewhere when when his disciples ask Jesus teach us to pray that's exactly what he tells them that they should be praying for isn't it Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, so that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer is is a prayer that God brings his kingdom. The prayer of all believers should be that God brings his kingdom, that he consummates his rule and he puts the world right. And and that ought to be our experience today. So as we, we look at the world around us, and we see all sorts of injustice, all sorts of evil, so much suffering, terrorist attacks in, in London or in Iraq or other parts of the world, uh, people dying in, in natural disasters. We see uh, Christians persecuted for their faith in, in lots of parts of the world. And we long for God to do something. We, we pray for him to bring justice. And we long for this kingdom, we pray for the kingdom where there'll be no more suffering, no more death, no more injustice, just like that song we sang earlier. 
So Jesus uh, has been teaching about the Son of Man, that when the Son of Man comes, he'll come in judgment. He'll punish evil, he'll fully consummate God's rule and his kingdom. But in the meantime, there's this time of anticipation, a time where God's people will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, a time where they long for God's kingdom and they pray for it to come. And, and the question arises, well, how are we to live in this period? How should we conduct ourselves during this time of anticipation? Well, that's exactly what Jesus goes on to teach uh, in this parable of the unjust judge. During this time, we are to keep praying and not lose heart. So as we long, to get, as, as we long for God to bring his kingdom as we long for him to bring judgment and justice, we're to keep trusting that he's going to do it. And we, we need that encouragement, don't we? Because as we live in this period, there's so many things that, that cause us to lose heart, so many things that, that make us give up on prayer. So we see so much injustice in the world, uh, so many things that outrage us, and sometimes we just lose heart. Or maybe personally we face hardship or trouble and it's just so overwhelming that we're tempted to lose heart, to give up calling on the Lord. It's always the same, it never goes away and we just grow weary. And we're tempted to think, well, maybe God isn't going to do anything. And we give up praying because we don't think it's actually going to make any difference. Why should I pray that the suffering's not going to go away, the evil's not going to go away? Or maybe we're tempted to think that, that God doesn't actually care. Why would God uh, be bothered about my suffering? Who am I to approach God and ask him for help? I'm just so insignificant. Or maybe we just feel unworthy. Why would, why would he answer my prayers? I'm such a sinner, I don't deserve his help. Or maybe it's, it's the delay, maybe it's the delay that, that causes us to lose heart. We've prayed for so long and nothing's happened. Like the psalmist, we wonder, how long, O oh Lord? And we're just tempted to give up. And when it comes to, to Christ's return, we just think, well, it's been so many centuries, uh, God's delayed so long, surely he's not going to come anytime soon. Yes, if someone asked us, we, we would say, yeah, it's possible, uh, Jesus could come back any time. But in reality, the way that we live, the, the way that we talk, the way that we think, betrays the fact that really we don't think he's coming back any time soon. Certainly not in our lifetime. So we, we think about and plan about our future, or the future of our children, or even our grandchildren, without any thought that those futures might be cut short by the Lord's return. We get married and we promise to be faithful until death us do part without any thought that maybe we won't get that far because Jesus will come back. God's delayed so long surely he's not going to come anytime soon we think. Well Jesus anticipates this situation he knows that we're going to go through these struggles and that's why he gives us this parable he gives us this parable to encourage us to keep going to keep trusting, to keep praying and to keep having faith and not lose heart. And the encouragement in this parable comes uh, by way of contrast. 
And there's two big contrasts in this parable uh, that are related to the two main characters in the parable. Because you see, in in this parable, Jesus contrasts uh, the worst-case scenario with the best-case scenario. First, we're going to look at uh, the worst-case scenario, which is given in the parable. So in verses 2 and 3, we're introduced to these two characters. Firstly, there's this judge. And we're told about this judge uh, that he neither feared God nor cares about men. Not the ideal qualifications that you'd want for a judge over God's people, is it? He, he, he disregards the, the two greatest commandments, to love God and to love your neighbour. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about any other, anyone else. He's only, con- he's only concerned with himself. And, and secondly, there's this widow who comes to the judge uh, saying, grant me justice against my adversary. So clearly she's, she's a victim of some injustice. She's been wronged in some way. Maybe uh, someone was trying to cheat her out of her inheritance or some property that was rightfully hers. And so she comes to the judge pleading that he give her what's rightfully hers. Now the original hearers of this parable will have immediately seen how desperate her situation was. For a start, she, she's a woman, uh, and in that society they didn't have all the rights of men, they didn't have all the rights to, uh, to, to, to plead their case in a court of law that men would have. And then she was a widow, so she had no husband who could plead her case for her. She had no husband to protect her or support her. Uh, the Bible often talks about widows as being amongst the most vulnerable and the most needy in society because they had no one to, to earn any money for them. Uh, so they were poor. This woman was probably too poor to pay a bribe to the judge which would have helped her get a case heard. So she's alone, she's poor, uh, she's helpless. And so by the time we get to, to verse 4 in this parable, Jesus has set up the scenario in such a way that we just think, no chance. This, this woman's got no chance. How can she do it? She's just a poor, uh, anonymous widow. She's got no power, no influence. She's got no relationship with this judge. And anyway, this judge is useless. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about other people. What's this widow to him? He's not going to do anything. She hasn't got a chance. And then we get, we get a surprise, don't we? Because this widow doesn't give up. We think it's a hopeless situation, but, but this widow, uh, she's got no choice. She's desperate. This judge is her only hope. So she keeps badgering him. She keeps calling on him and pleading for justice. She, she hangs around the courthouse and every time she sees him, she cries out, grant me justice against my adversary. He, he goes home, she's at the gate waiting for him. Grant me justice against my adversary. He goes out for dinner with his mates and she's tapping on the restaurant window. Grant me justice against my adversary. He's on the golf course. She pops out of a bunker. Give me justice against my adversary. So she stalks him basically. And since there's no injunction orders in those days, uh, the judge says to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Everywhere he goes, she's there. Grant me justice against my adversary. And he's sick of it. 
And it's not doing his reputation any good. Everyone's talking about it. It's beginning to bring shame on him. And so to save his reputation, to avoid shame, to get this woman off his back, he grants her request and that she get justice. So even in this, this worst case scenario, something good can happen. Even in this worst case scenario, justice prevails. Well, if that's true, then, then how much more can we expect it in the best case scenario? Which is exactly what Jesus goes on to argue. Look at verse 6. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly for Christians we're in the best case scenario we're, we're far from this scenario with the unjust judge and this poor widow as Christians we're in the best case scenario because firstly God is not like the unjust judge now sometimes this parable is, is interpreted as though it's saying that God is like the unjust judge that, that we need to keep on praying and keep on praying and being persistent that we, keep have, that we have to keep badgering God bugging him that we have to wear him down as though he's reluctant and we need to persuade him but the point of the parable is, is a contrast God's not like the unjust judge God is gracious and good so this judge he's, he's unloving he's evil he's ungracious merciless, unjust but God is loving He's infinitely good, infinitely gracious, infinitely merciful, infinitely just. So that's the first contrast. God is not like the judge. And secondly, we are not like the widow. So as Christians, we're not like this unknown, unnamed widow who is a stranger to the judge. She's got no relationship to him. To to him, she's just a nobody. But we're not like that. Look what Jesus says about us. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So we are God's chosen ones. If you're a Christian, then, then you're not a stranger to God. You're not like uh, this, this unnamed, unknown widow with no relationship to him. But as Christians, we are his chosen people whom he is deeply committed and, and there is no condition of man that is more precious than, than being God's chosen ones. It means that he foreknew you before the beginning of the world. It means that he has rested his favour upon you fully and freely. It means that he has sent his only son to die for your sins. It means that he is for you with all his might and that nothing in all creation can separate you from his love. So therefore, Jesus argues, if this unjust judge can be moved by by the petitions to help a complete stranger for whom he couldn't care less, how much more will God help his own chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? So, So these are the reasons Jesus gives for us to always pray and never give up in this time before Christ's return. Because 
because we're, God is not like the unjust judge and we're not like the wither. God loves justice and he loves us. So, so if we're tempted to lose heart because, because it seems like God isn't going to do anything, then this parable reminds us that he will bring justice. Uh, and we can be sure of that because of God's character. He is just and he's the source of all justice. He, he hates in, injustice, he hates evil. And he's rich in mercy and hears our prayers. And, and if, we, if we give up praying, if we lose heart, if we think that, that God won't do anything, then we're just making him out to be worse than the unjust par- uh, judge in the parable. Even that guy did something in the end. Even that guy gave mercy eventually. If we give up and think that God's not going to do anything, then we're saying that he's worse than the judge. And if you're tempted to lose heart because, because you think that God doesn't care, that you think he, he isn't concerned about you, or, or that God doesn't love you, well, this parable reminds us that God does care. If you're a Christian, then you are his chosen child, created in, in his image, redeemed by his Son. You're his chosen one, in whom he is deeply committed. And if, if we're tempted to lose heart because because of the delay because it's just been so long and the kingdom has not yet come and we prayed for so long and God still hasn't vindicated us then this parable reminds us that, that there's good reason for the delay the, uh, the second part of verse 7 is very difficult to translate the NIV uh, puts it this way will he keep putting them off the King James Version uh, translates, translates it like this though he bear long with them. And the phrase probably carries the idea that that God is being patient, he is bearing long with people, he's been long-suffering in delaying his judgments. And that's the same idea that Peter uses in his second letter. Peter writes this, "But, But do not forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is being patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God delays his, the bringing of his kingdom because he longs for people to come to repentance and to escape his judgments. He delays because he's lovingly patient, He's given people time to turn back to him. And so we should go on praying and not lose heart because we know that there's good reason for the delay. Well, after all these encouragements, uh, Jesus leaves us with a challenge, doesn't he? Look at the end of verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus does come, Will he find this kind of faith? Will he find this faith in you? Will he find us waiting expectantly, longing for his, king, his kingdom, his coming? Will his coming be a rude interruption into your life? Or will it be the answer to your prayers? Or have we given up praying? Have we given up longing for his kingdom? 
Jesus told this parable to show us that we should always pray and not give up. God, God isn't like the unjust judge. We're not like the widow. And so will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly.